0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Again, Acts chapter 8 and as we uh, get there uh, there's a there's a verse that has been on um, my study desk for many, many years now. This has been, um, actually it was a gift to me from some people in our church many years ago, and it's something that has, again, been very, very precious to me. So, when I'm sitting down, preparing a message, sitting down, just facing the day, it's a verse I will often pray, and has been, again, particularly powerful to me. So, Psalm 43, verses 8 and verse 10, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I've put my trust in you, and I Love where it says, um, show me the way, it's right to be highlighted, show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul, teach me to do your will, for you are my God, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Now look look at this psalmist praying for the supernatural guidance, which is our theme today from our text, supernatural guidance, notice show me, and then notice teach me, and notice lead me. Um, he's, just, he's so transparent and he's not saying, hey God, um, this is what I want to do. Would you bless it? No, he's like, God, um, you show me what you want me to do. You teach me your will. Often we, we come to God and we're like, well God, here's my will and I'm hoping that you'll kind of come alongside and put your stamp on. No, no. He's like, teach me your will. At the end of the day, Holy Spirit, you lead me. Lead me. This is such an important prayer. By the way, If you want 2020 to look different than it has in the past, um, I commend, pray this prayer daily, if not several times a week. Um, Your year is going to look different you sincerely come, and you pray like the heart of the psalmist, your year is going to look different. So on this theme this week, supernatural guidance, something that's so clear, lead us, Holy Spirit, had a dear sister in Christ, she came out to me just before the prayer meeting, God was burdening her, and she begins to explain again her expectation for God's Spirit to lead, and she says, Psalm 143, verse 8, it's meant so much, I'm like, what Psalm, what Psalm, what verse? And she's like, Psalm 143, verse 8, I said, no way, that's awesome, because that's going to be what my introduction is, for this weekend, and in that moment, and she was encouraged, I was so encouraged, she explained to me the part of this verse that meant so much to her, but for me in a small way right there, that's like the Lord saying, yep, man, you're on the right track. I'm moving in this church. There's many people being led in this way because listen, listen, church, church, we don't stand a chance apart from the supernatural guiding and power of the Holy Spirit leading us. Amen? Amen? We don't stand a chance, and I need you to be involved with me today, okay? Like, third service, it gets tiring, so the energy of the service helps a lot, all right? It helps a lot. I love you all so much. I really, really do. I'm excited we get to do this together. And we're going to see this as a component of the early church today in Acts chapter 8. They were so massively dependent, and the extraordinary things they saw as the Holy Spirit led the church supernaturally. Of course, we are no different. We're going to examine how the Lord is leading them supernaturally. We're going to unpack it and then say, God, do that in our lives. Do that in our lives. Now, now, today, this isn't a time... Where I preach and you sit and listen, take a couple notes and then go home and nothing changes. Well, I pray in Jesus' name that doesn't happen today, okay? I pray in Jesus' name today. This is like all of us together committed here in this church that we are listening and engaged and desirous to actually see the Lord do what he says he can do and will do through willing participants who want to be filled by his Spirit. So I'm just, again coming at this in a bold sense to say, I'm not here to go through the motions, okay? I'm not preaching this again, preaching my heart out for a third time just to kind of get through this and go have lunch. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to see all of us filled and led and transformed by the Spirit of God, okay? And I'm praying, amen, amen, love that, I love that, amen. Amen. I love a clapping church, it's so good, all right? I can do that wherever you want, okay? And together we will see again what only God can do. Go Lord, go Lord. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Um, I remind you, Philip has been so powerfully used. He preaches the good news in Samaria. Like revival breaks out around him. There's there's joy taking over the city because that's what Jesus does. Gives us joy in the midst of all circumstances of life. It's hard and painful and the joy that comes. And the gospel is moving in extraordinary ways. But of course, the Lord's not done with this gospel. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, this is amazing, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand um, what you are reading? Okay, so what we're doing today, God is supernaturally guiding his early church. We want that to happen to us. So we're going to take the outline and use it as a prayer. And this takes us to point number one. Okay, here's our prayer. Oh Lord, would you guide us to supernatural appointments? God, would you guide us to supernatural appointments. Now, isn't it, I hope you know what I'm talking about when I say this, isn't it spiritually thrilling and exhilarating when you know that God has led you to specific people at specific times to have specific conversations, that is no way that you made that happen. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you are supernaturally appointed to talk to specific people in a time and you come away from that and you're like, that was so of the Lord. Like there's no way that was of me. So I look back upon my journey in Christ and I could come up with several dozen examples like that. I was praying about it this week and I thought of one that came to mind. I was 20. Two years old. Um, I, I wasn't yet saved in Christ, but I was on a God was working in my heart. Seeds were being planted. It was in this unique time of my journey and testimony where I graduated university. I was in business initially on an entry-level sales position. I really didn't know what life was going to bring. I was just trying to earn a paycheck and go through. It's a very brief time, but it was in this season, and I found myself at a business call with a company in Toronto it was actually um called Jane's Family Foods. And you might know they, they make great chicken and meat and stuff like that in the stores, or whatever. And um, and so I was there and I was scheduled to meet with one of the vice presidents, who I think was actually a family member of the Jane family as I recall it. I was there at that time and I went in for all the business stuff, and I was getting so young and raw, but I was there, and it wasn't long into this conversation that I realized that God was doing something somehow, some way, and bless this, bless this gentleman. I remember his first name. Bless his heart. He he recognized that somehow in me God was doing something. And and what happened, like 10 minutes into the meeting, all the business kind of went to the side, and all of a sudden he took the next hour and he massively encouraged me in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, and what it means to follow him. And like I sat there and I I remember I could remember I could remember the desk, I remember where I was, I can remember the feeling I had of being absolutely exhilarated that this was happening and at one point i'm like am i going to get fired for doing this what i mean it's like wait wait you started the conversation not me you know what I mean? that kind of thing and i remember being there and then i, I an hour was passed we talked about the lord the whole time it was so encouraging i remember walking back to my car and sat down and i was stunned like i was just because for me as a young man who again i don't i wasn't yet saved. i was moving so close but i remember like this this god is real like that there's no way that was of me there's no way the Lord is working, and you're aware of these things, and you get a sense. And I mean, I'm so overwhelmed with the understanding supernatural things happen. It's so humbling, so beautiful, so awesome. It's the supernatural leading of the Lord that whether it's happening to you or from you, we're so massively encouraged um, in the process. This is what's going on in the Bible here today as well. Look at verse 26. Here we have Philip again, um, a man on fire with the Holy Spirit, by the way. Um, there's no question. He had seen revival break out through his preaching in Samaria. God gives him his next mission now. Now certainly, Kate. Certainly, grace is on Philip. Right? He he can't take credit for what's happening. It's it's God's grace. But here's what we do know: um, God is looking for willing vessels. God is looking to use people who are faithful and available to him. In Acts chapter 6, it tells us regarding Philip and some of the other leaders mentioned there that he had a good reputation, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of wisdom um, as well. So obviously here, Philip was a man who was pursuing godliness, he had tremendous faith, and he was ready to be powerfully used. Let me stop there just for a second, okay? That's a lot. That's a lot right there I just said. Philip was ready to be power. he was he was open and hungry. Question, are you? Like in all honesty right now, the Lord is looking for people to fill and use. The reality is that there's many times we're not even putting ourselves in a position to be used and available because we're so preoccupied with the world around us and our selfish desires. We're not pursuing godliness and we're not pursuing Christ. And no wonder then we're not seeing supernatural activity happen through our lives. But see, Philip was. And in verse 26, notice an angel, amazing, says to Philip, rise and go towards the south. Now look at verse 27. Notice it says. And he rose and he went. Do you see that? Hey, Philip, rise and go. He rose and went. It wasn't, hey, Philip, go to the south. And he's like, well, just a second. Let me check my schedule. Or wait, just a second. I want to see if I kind of feel, well, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to take a break. I'm not sure if I want to do that. There's none of that. There's none of that. No hesitation. No excuses. No rationalization. It was he rose and he went upon the command again of what the Lord wanted him to do. So watch this. Okay, watch this. Ready? With supernatural guidance... We see immediate obedience. That's the key. Supernatural guidance leads to immediate obedience. That is so beautiful. So Philip's life. Man, I, I've I've never studied Philip in this amount of detail before. Philip's life. He is raising the flag of his life, and he just says, "Holy Spirit, you you blow the wind. I will go wherever you want me to go." That's what he's doing. that, that that's incredibly faith-filled way to live, you raise the flag, and it's nice and firm and ready for the wind to hit it, and the wind of the Holy Spirit comes along, and he directs you exactly where he wants you to go. This is the life of Philip, and one of the reasons, again, that he's being so powerfully used. Like, he's just like Psalm 143, verse 8 and 10. He's right, show me the way. Teach me, Lord. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I'll hoist the sails, and now you, Holy Spirit, you direct me in the direction that you would have For my life. Notice the Bible mentions in verse 26, it mentions the road he was to go on was a desert place. Why does it mention that? Why is that detail important? Why is that even there? Here's why. Because it's the road less traveled. There were two specific roads to go down to Gaza in this direction. One was common, one was less common. One would have been, you know, a road of fruitfulness, you can say. One was a road to a barren place and a barren road. Notice, God leads him down the place that is barren, the road that is barren. And now from a human understanding, you would say, well, why would I go there? There's nothing there. There's no reason to go there. There's seemingly nothing ever happens there. God's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Again, Philip doesn't, he doesn't ask. He's just led. What are we learning? Ready? The closer we are to the Lord, the more sensitive we are to his leading. Listen, the closer we are to the Lord, the quicker we will be in responding That's what we're learning here too. I wonder sometimes, how much do we miss out on because we're not faithful and not available to the Lord? I wonder about that. I wonder in our lives if we just don't sense the Holy Spirit leading us in thought and word and deed. Well, here's why I know it doesn't happen. It's because, again, we live in a world we are inundated on a daily basis with an endless amount of information leading to distraction. And a lot of us, let's just be honest with ourselves, we are so distracted, so preoccupied, sometimes just lazy in spiritual endeavors, and selfish. And therefore, all those things become anti-Christ within our lives. And again, that's why. We're not sensing and seeing the Lord direct us as maybe we think we should. Again, so the Lord led Philip to a barren place. Here's a good question, eh? God says, I want you to go down in this direction. And it's not the place that's sought after. It's a barren place. It's a desert place. Very few go there. No one really wants to go there. My question for all of us, I'll be first, is am I willing to go? Am I willing to go to the barren place? You know, the place that's uncomfortable. You know, the place that we might, you know, we're like, well, I like my ease. That place that's hard to get to that place that's awkward at times, that place that deals with difficult people, you know, that place, that place that God's asked us maybe uh, several times, but every time we found a reason not to go, are we willing to go to the barren place? Here's what I think right now in this room, I think right now for sure, I think as we seek God's will, I think many of us already know the answer to that question. I think many of us already know, God's already made it clear, reach that person, love that person, go to that situation, extend yourself over in that area of your life. I think many of us already know the answer to that question, but we've found reasons to not do it because it's the barren place or it's a place that brings us out of our place of comfort. I'm telling you right now, like just in a moment of like pastoral understanding and just willing to be bold and telling you, maybe God, maybe again, he's saying to you, he's like, you know what? You know what you're hearing right now is just so right. I've already told you. I've been leading you in grace and love. And my child, I'm urging you again. You know my will. Will you respond in obedience and trust me in the process? Will you go to the barren place? Because that's where I'm gonna show you again my glory. I'm gonna do work. I'm gonna, gonna, again, I'm gonna encourage you greatly. And it won't be easy, but it's gonna be great. So Philip responds there. He sees an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official. You can see in verse 27, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And he was in charge of her treasure. So quite an important individual. This man was evidently searching um, he was on a genuine path to worship. He traveled 200 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. He was returning. He was reading God's word. So there's, there's something stirring in him. He was the seeker in the most genuine definition of that. Notice this too with Philip, though, as he's led to the Ethiopian. Notice God only says, hey, Philip, go down to the road to Gaza, the barren place. And he's like, all right, step one. Notice Philip doesn't say, okay, God, I'll go. But can you give me steps one through ten? We do that a lot. I'll go, God, but I want to see basically now to the end of my life so I can know certainty and security and I can have such safe passage. I want to see everything, God, before I go. That's not the way God works. More often than not, they're like, no, I'm asking you to take step one. And you're like, but I don't want to take step. And he's like, okay, fine. I won't give you step two. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like. But God does that. Why? Because we learn so much in trust and faith in step one. If we knew all the steps ahead of time, we wouldn't learn anything. So he's like, hey, Philip, step one. And Philip's like, yep, I'm in. He's like, great, step two. Philip's like, yep, I'm in. Step two. Next thing you know, what step? Step three. There he is, and he's hearing the Ethiopian reading the thing. He follows the Lord. He trusts the Lord. He's blessed by the Lord. I'm telling you, who needs to take something from that? But God, I want to see all the steps. I was like, no, you're not going to see all the steps. That's called heaven, okay? For now, do you trust me with the first step? Man, that's a big thing for us right now. The obedience in the moment to what we know God is asking us to do, that applies in so many different ways. Look at verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I love verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, um, and he asked. Now, now, I love that the Bible tells us that Philip ran. Why is that there? Why, why, why would that detail, exist? Philip ran? What do you deduce from that reality in Scripture, every word put there by the Holy Spirit, that Philip ran? What does that make you think about Philip? Here's what makes me think of Philip. Makes me think of a man of tremendous faith. Makes me think he's fired up, man. Makes me think he's excited. Uh, You run often when you're filled with joy and your tremendous anticipation. Makes me think he's eager. Makes me think he can't wait to see what God's going to do next. And that one word where he ran says so much of what we want to be like Philip within our lives. Eagerness, expectation, joy, enthusiasm. Again, uh, believing and filled with faith uh, for what's going to happen next. I love that. He's a man on fire. And he knows he's in the will of God. He hears him reading scripture. And at that moment, Philip knows what he needs to do. I mean, Philip must be so fired up right there when he comes and he comes next to the chariot And he hears him reading Isaiah 53 of all passages. He's so encouraged. Why? Ready, ready, ready? He's so encouraged because there's nothing like knowing you're in the center of God's will. There's nothing so satisfying than knowing you're in the center of God's will. Is't it interesting that faith though, is the greatest key to taking us to places? You know, um, so often we resist what God wants us to do and we miss out on the blessing. So much of the Christian life is just showing up. So this, so this, this past week at the prayer meeting, a brother I love he came up to me and he was there at the end and again again, we weren't at the prayer meeting. You got to come to the next one, okay? So it was, it, was, it was encouraging to me. He comes up to me after the prayer meeting. He's like, Hey, man, like, good to see you, man. Good to see you. I love this guy. And he's like, Hey, man, I got to confess something right away. I'm just, I love his heart. Okay, what, what is it? What is he? I got to confess. We came here tonight, wife and I, and, and um, dropped our kids off, but we left. I was like, Oh, but you're here now. And he's like, Yeah, we, we actually drove away. didn't want to come to pray. And I said, I, I get that because I feel that too sometimes. We actually ended up at the Home Depot Plaza over there. And I got in my car to do stuff, and my wife asked me to get back in the car. And next thing you know, I realized we need to turn around, and we came back. We came about 30 minutes late, but we came back. And I go, that's amazing, man. (laughs) And just like, like the opposition to coming to prayer. I get it. I got so much grace. I mean, it's just so difficult. I heard multiple stories that night of people who were in such a battle to get here. But he says to me, he goes, but listen, do you think I'm glad that I showed up? And I'm like, I know you are, bro. I know you are, right? And he was. And the battle that goes on is so much of life is showing up. We take the easy path, we just neglect, we don't do what God's called us to do, and we miss out on what God would have used us to do in the process. Um, Coincidentally, this week, I was listening to a podcast, John Stone Street, called Breakpoint. I was interviewing, he's interviewing a woman on a book she wrote, it's a really encouraging podcast. He mentioned this in passing, though. He mentioned, he says, you know, um, Uh, Last year, in November last year, the most recent Nobel Peace Prize winner was the Ethiopian Prime Minister who's an evangelical Christian. And he says that, and he goes, and that all began in Acts chapter 8. That got my attention. I've been studying it all week. In Acts chapter 8, again with Philip, with the Ethiopian eunuch, and share the gospel with him. And the Ethiopian gives his life to Christ and takes the gospel back to Ethiopia, which was the start of the spread of the genuine gospel in that country, which in some form, in some way, has carried all the way over two millennium for the evangelical prime minister today, who just received the Nobel Peace Prize award winner for his, because of his work and his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as an active, again, form of his leadership. And I'm like, that's so encouraging. Aren't you encouraged by that? I was so encouraged. Amen. Amen. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm like that wasn't a, that wasn't coincidence. Write that down for the sermon. You know what I'm saying? I'm like that is awesome. That is awesome. And to be aware of that and to know that and be so encouraged by that. Listen, listen, listen. All that to say this: so often we we have, we have no idea how much God has in store for us. We don't know the next person we're going to witness to. We don't know the impact that will bring. We don't know how much engagement we have, the genuine gospel of people are saved in Jesus Christ and where they will go from that. Do you think Philip really had a clue that would lead to what we just described? He couldn't see it fully, but he was obedient and he was powerfully used. See, loved ones, all that to say this, we must pray for supernatural appointments and anticipate them and then be obedient to them. I love God's heart in um, Acts 8 because you see him reaching a city in Samaria But then you see him reaching an individual, the Ethiopian eunuch, his care, his care for the individual. Question, when's the last time you genuinely prayed for supernatural appointments? Like, when's the last time we genuinely prayed and were anticipating supernatural appointments Upon our life. You know, in our world, there's a lot of hostility towards the gospel in our nation right now. But listen, there's a lot, there's a lot of hurting people. Like within the darkness, what happens is when you remove God from the equation, the darkness and the desperation intensifies. The media won't report, they won't report the negative sides of rejecting God, but the, the side effects are immense and the loneliness, and the despair, and the depression, and the discouragement, and the purposelessness. It's all around. There's so many people searching. So for all the hostility, there's a whole nother group of people that are desperately and dying to hear a message of hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. And as pastor right now here in this setting, I want to sincerely challenge you right now for anyone who is committed as a person who attends Hope Bible Church, okay? So here's what happens. Been here almost 16 years now in ministry, 20 years. I've seen it over and over again. People come into the church. Um, God works genuinely often in that setting. They get encouraged. They're excited. What happens is though Satan seeks to pick off anyone he can. And it starts small. They miss a weekend. They don't show up to gather time here at the church. They miss their small group, home group. They they kind of let go of accountability. And one week becomes a month. And once you disconnect and the accountability stops and there's not the conversation community, month becomes six months. And six months becomes a year and so on. We've seen over and over and over again. My plea for you right now, who can you think of in your life right now and especially if they have been formally connected to you in a spiritual sense or to this church, who can you reach out to and love again with Christ to draw them back in to the center of where love and you know and the ultimate, they know they need to be? Who, who is the Lord bringing to mind? I've seen this happen in my life even in the last 10 days in just amazing supernatural ways. And praying it has a glorious again end of someone drifting and brought back to the center where God can fill and bless and use. But I'm asking you, if we all do that together, if all of us seek to love and and bring back one sheep again that we can think of again, this church would be entirely changed again. It'd be entirely changed again. Like Again, I'm asking you to take this so seriously. I'm asking you to feel the burden of the Lord himself that he would place upon you, not, not, not put on someone else, not put on Pastor Robbie, not put on the elders, not put on some leader over there, but, but all of us together collectively. God, would you burden us with a soul that we would be used to love? And some of you are sitting here right now because someone did that for your life recently. You're here right now because someone loved you and cared for you. It's, just, it's the way it goes. It's beautiful. It's what the enemy is so afraid of. Again, I'll just say one more time. If, 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 if we all choose to do that, this church changes. It changes. God, lead us to supernatural appointments. For what purpose? Number two, number two, ready? To have supernatural conversations, that's why. See what happens? So God gives us supernatural appointments that he might give us supernatural conversations. So look at, look at verse 30. Verse 30, it says, So Philip runs to hear him reading Isaiah the prophet and asks him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading just happened to be, that's my insert there, just happened to be from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for this, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. This is so wonderful. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news um, about Jesus. So, um, reading scripture out loud like this, like the Ethiopians doing in ancient times, is very common. It's very common to read scripture out loud. Philip hears, he says, hey, 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 do you know what you're reading? And then he responds famously, he says, how can I unless someone guides me? Isn't that beautiful? Like many people are seeking to be guided scripturally with truth, discipleship, just looking for people to help. I think about this, I think about all the words we use on a daily basis. All the texts we type, endless amount of text, All the content we espouse online. And yet most of it, in some cases all of it, is empty of spiritual or eternal conversations. But here's the Ethiopian eunuch and he's saying, how can I understand if no one guides me? See, see, see? see what God does? He supernaturally guides us just supernaturally help us to guide others. Hey Philip, go here. I'm guiding you, Philip. Why? Because I want you to guide someone else. I'm gonna use you as my vessel to guide someone in the gospel of Jesus Christ that they might be saved. Hey Philip, you wanna be used? Yep. Step one, go. Step two, go here. Step three, now guide this person in the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. He guides us, loved ones, to use us to guide others. He gives us supernatural appointments to give us supernatural conversations, right? So he doesn't lead us supernaturally to an appointment that we just talk about the weather and sports. He leads us ultimately to have supernatural conversations with others about Jesus Christ and again, and his gospel. So this wonderful story in Acts 8, Philip is invited to sit down with the Ethiopian in, in, in his chariot. Just picture that. And Philip's like, hey man, so what you're reading? He knows what he's reading. And he's like, oh, I just happened to be reading Isaiah 53. Wow, what are the chances? The most Christ-centered chapter in all of the Old Testament. And this is the day that I show up? Praise the Lord, right? God is working. That is amazing. Isaiah 53 is called the gospel of the Old Testament. So, loved ones, I want you to see this too. Look at God's heart in Acts 8. Like, what do you learn about God's heart for the lost through this story of the Ethiopian eunuch? look at the detail of God working sovereignly to reach this man. Look at the planning of God. Look at the moving of God. Look at the details of God. Look at the leading of God. Look at the love of God. Look at all that he's orchestrating to cause this event to happen at this time, to love upon this one individual, to see this man saved from death to life. That's our God. And he's doing that then, and he's doing that now. All over this world today, God is intimately, individually. Every baptism we heard this weekend is a story of God sovereignly, intimately saving a life. In his time, in his way. It's beautiful. And he's still doing it. And he wants to use us in the process. Reminds me of the verse from 2 Chronicles 16. Famous verse. It's beautiful. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. I love that. God's, God's searching. He's searching this room right now. He's searching. He's searching. He's going up every aisle, down every row. He's every every individual. Can I use you? Can I use you to do what? To do what? To give strong support to those whose hearts is blameless towards him. He's looking to use individuals in the building of his church. See, Jesus Christ guaranteed to build his church and nothing no and nothing gates of hell is going to stop him. So that being a fact, lives are being changed. Do you want to be used in the process? That's really what it comes down to. Yes, please. Over here, Lord, right? That's what you're doing. Use me, use me. Supernatural appointments. God, you have them every day. Yes, yes. That I may have supernatural conversations with those, again, in my life for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have this wide open door from God. You have Philip's wide open heart. Now that's important, okay? Those two go together really well. And then you have this, you know, amazing unpacking of the good news um, of Jesus Christ. And notice what Philip does. He explains to the eunuch here that Jesus was the Christ. That Jesus is the Lamb of God found in Isaiah 53. Why was he the Lamb of God? He died for our sins. Jesus bore the wrath that we deserved, that we might be reconciled to God. He explained to the Ethiopian eunuch, he explained that Jesus took on the penalty and our punishment, that we would no longer be enemies of God, but friends of God, that we began reconciled to him, that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin as we place our feet faith in him for the forgiveness of our sins as we receive the gift of his grace, not a result of works that no one may boast. This is all grace. This is the love of God. He explains to the Ethiopian, Jesus Christ was sent to die for you. All you must do is receive by faith the gift of life and forgiveness of your sins. He paid it all. He gave you his righteousness and he took on your sin. What an incredible message that is being shared. You have to believe, as I seek to live in the text here, you have to believe both Philip and the Ethiopian, their hearts are like beating out of their chest. Like Philip's heart must be beating so fast because he's like, I love God's will. God is awesome. Jesus is Lord, the Savior of the world, and the gospel is You got to imagine his heart is just pounding out of his chest. He lives for this, he's a man on fire. And then there's the Ethiopian eunuch. His heart must be beating out of his chest because literally in this moment, his heart, he's getting a heart transplant. Like he's going from death to life. He's getting a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He's being regenerated in this very moment. He is going from darkness to light, from death to life. He is literally being born again in this moment as this conversation happens. His heart is beating, yes, just a little bit fast. And both of them are there overwhelmed and again, and our biggest challenge, oh Lord, would you give us supernatural appointments that lead to supernatural conversations? I was reading this week a story that was found in Warren Wiersbe's commentary on this, and I was really challenged. I wanted to share it with you. He says in October 1857, Hudson Taylor, again the very famous missionary to China, Hudson Taylor began to minister in Ningpo, China, and he led uh, Mister Nye to Christ. Uh, Mister Nye was overjoyed. He he, he received the gospel. Like all that, that do, he was overjoyed with Christ. He wanted to share his faith with others. But he stopped and he, and he asks Hudson Taylor, he says, wait, how long have you had this good news in England? And Hudson Taylor kind of pondered that question. He acknowledged that England had had the gospel for centuries. And so Mr. Nye kind of looks back a little bit perplexed and he says, my father died seeking the truth. Why didn't you come sooner? And Hudson Taylor really had no answer to that penetrating question. You had this good news for so long? My father, my father died, he was seeking truth, why didn't you come sooner? Wow. You know, I understand the culture we live in, I, 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 I feel it every day, I, I, I understand the difficulty, I understand the increase in whatever. But the reality is is that I imagine that um, many of our neighbors soon are going to be face-to-face with their maker, facing all of eternity. And in some form, in some way, I have to imagine that here we are with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we spend all this time and living right beside them, and in the end, it's kind of like the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. You face Hades or hell itself, and you're just begging anything that the truth might go to those that you love. But I, I think our neighbors sit there, and they're in some form, some way, say, you had this message the entire time, and you never told me? How long have you known Jesus? How long have you had the gospel of salvation? How long is it that you knew the light that overcomes the darkness? And the message of... You say, well, you know, I try people, people, people that listen, I know, I know, I know, I got all the excuses to." It's just a really, really good, powerful thought to think over. See, when you pray, though, for supernatural appointments... And you see the Lord is working, and that door is open. Here's the key. God opens the door. See, the question right then, the door comes open. We see it for what it is. Do we have the faith to walk through? So what often happens is, when we're praying for supernatural appointments, the door is open, we're like, ah, maybe tomorrow. Right? Like, that happens, right? Right? But see, when God opens the door, if he's opening it, he's doing something with it. We don't know, but our, our job is obediently to walk through. So just in, in recent weeks, having conversations, and all of a sudden, without even expecting it, the, the door for the gospel is open, and the opportunity to speak of Christ, and right there, you're almost caught off guard, and in that moment, you make a decision. Am I walking through, or am I going somewhere else? And my faith, because you see what's happening, you take a deep breath, let's go. And you begin to speak, Of Christ, because you know in that moment, I can't be ashamed of him. This is what I'm praying for. This is the opportunity, whether it goes the way you want to, God's the one who's in charge of that. Supernatural appointments to supernatural conversations, but again, be encouraged. Thirdly, this we're praying, it will lead to supernatural transformation. See, in our text, this is what's happening. There's an appointment and a conversation that leads to transformation. Look at verse 36 now. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the I mean, obviously stuff's happening, and he said, see, here's water. I love this. What prevents me from being baptized? Bless his heart. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. So evidently, the the Spirit of God is at work undeniably in the eunuch's heart. He has been saved. Philip explained him the gospel. He received Christ. Evidently, Philip also talked to him about baptism on some level. He's like, hey, listen, when you come to Christ in this way, that the, the first step of obedience is to be baptized again in the name of Jesus. Like that's the, that, that, that's the easiest step to fulfill as a symbol that you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, evidently, Philip had the conversation because on his own, the eunuch's like, hey, wait, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? That's a great question. Nothing, as long as you're saved. If you are generally saved in Christ, nothing prevents you from being baptized. The caravan stops. Many are watching in the caravan. The Ethiopian is a witness right from the beginning. He steps out, and they go down, and he is baptized by Philip. I mean, what an awesome text for our service this weekend. What prevents me from being baptized? Again, if saved, nothing. Let me ask you a question. Are you a believer? Are you a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, and have you yet to be baptized? I want to challenge you that right now, like if you're genuinely saved in Christ, and you've yet to be baptized as a believer. This could be your supernatural appointment right now. Like right now. This could be the Lord working in your, your heart right now. Remember, remember. In the New Testament, there's no such thing as an unbaptized believer. There's no such thing. See, baptism isn't an option for those who feel like it. That's just really bad theology. Um, Actually, Phil Newton read this this week. I want to share it with you. It's challenging, but it's good. It's good. I'm not afraid to challenge each other. He says, baptism is the biblical pattern for declaring your faith before the world. To neglect baptism is to bring into question the reality of your faith. For who is truly saved that is so ashamed of Jesus Christ that he or she refuses to be baptized? That's good that's good to ponder. You say, well, I don't know if I'd put in that strong language. I think, by, I think, you know, there's a young woman who got baptized in the first service today and she stood up and she says, you know, I'll paraphrase, I got a real fear of public speaking, but when I realized all that Jesus Christ has done for me and saved me from my sins, the least I can do is stand up here and give him glory and she did, and she did. And I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yes, that is so good. That is so true. So again, let me ask you this one more time. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ and you've yet to be baptized for different reasons and different excuses whatever it might be? I pray today you are supernaturally appointed to hear from the Lord and if you are, I challenge you then you will take out a connection card before you leave today. You will grab that connection card. You will put your name, number, and email, whatever it might be and all you gotta write in big huge letters is BAPTISM! I want to be baptized. Talked to a man at the last service that came up, and he goes, in that moment, Pastor, I was shaking, but I know this is it. I've been put off, put off for way too long. I have to get it done. Sign me up. I'm like, praise the Lord. Okay? Is that you today? Is that you today? Don't wait, man. Get a connections card. Put your name, some way to contact you. I promise you, we'll even touch you this week. This week, And we pray very, very, very soon. You'll be in the tank and the next person to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I mean, again, if you hear another call from the Lord and you again see the open door and walk somewhere else, I'm telling you, telling you, that's not good. It's called faith, man. It's called faith. God blesses it. So, how encouraging is this passage? The Lord guide Phil to a supernatural appointment, then for supernatural conversation in order to see supernatural transformation. So, just think as we kind of look to respond to this message today. Can you look at your life? Can you thank the Lord for supernatural appointments that he directed your way? Can you thank the Lord for supernatural conversations that you had with different individuals to care for your soul in Jesus' name? And can you thank the Lord for supernatural transformation that you have experienced by the grace and the glory of God? I pray every one of us in some form would be able to thank the Lord for such important things. You know, we're saying this around our church a lot right now. We have 1,000 seats opened up with our first service. We're praying for 1,000 souls to be saved. That only happens with all of us working together to understand the power and the beauty of what God wants to do supernaturally among us. God, use it. God, use it. God, use it. So I'm praying right now, again, there's faith rising, encouragement growing, and expectation is also increasing with it. Come on, Lord, do it. Do it as only you can. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. So, Lord, I do pray. I pray my brothers and sisters are joining with me. God, would you grant us supernatural appointments that lead to supernatural conversations that in the end will result in supernatural transformation. So many in our world are so desperately in need of this. I pray you will fill this church in this year as much as you've ever done with power, with love, with joy, with faith, with boldness, with the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, I ask that you would be moving even now. You would be encouraging, revealing to us. And and, and let us respond to this final song as one that's celebrating your transformation in us. Oh, God, let us respond with joy. Let us respond with faith. Let us respond with a united uh, celebration. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We can stand together and we can sing.